back to the John Curley, Sherry Elliker Show. I'm Spike O'Neill sitting in for John Curley. And I can't call this diving into the news. Uh, our next story, really, I don't know if it's newsworthy, but it's everywhere today, Sherry. It is. Did you get a chance to watch Chris Rock's comedy special on Netflix on Saturday night? I didn't know it was happening, so no, I did not. I, I got, I'm a Chris Rock fan, so I, I I would have liked to have seen it, but I I didn't I didn't see it. No. Outside of his work in the um, Adam Sandler movies, which I think are all a little bit of self-aggrandizing, uh, well, they're not bad. But I also am a Chris Rock fan. I really am. And his this special selective outrage, it's called. It was live streamed on Netflix on Saturday night, and I had no idea it was coming on either. Uh, until my social media feed Saturday evening, and that's the kind of wild and crazy animal I am. I'm scrolling my social media feed on a Saturday night at home. Um, I'm seeing everybody just going crazy about this Chris Rock special, and, and it didn't in, it didn't make me want to turn in or turn into a tune into it. I didn't turn it on like halfway through. I figured if if Netflix is running a Chris Rock special live, it'll be there forever to go and watch it on Netflix if I so choose to do. But uh, apparently he held nothing back, uh, no pun intended, with his comments about the the slap heard around the world. We're, of course, talking about last year's Oscars, where Chris Rock, your host, made fun and poked jokes at uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith, um, who at first apparently laughed at the jokes uh, that Chris Rock was making about his wife. Got some side eye from his wife and walked and had some words and then walked on stage and assaulted Chris Rock. And and they really haven't Chris Rock really hasn't addressed it since then until Saturday night. Yeah, I think we have um, some of his uh, routine. Uh, if you if you want to play that to to see um, the sorts of things that he was most angry about. Yeah, there's like four different cuts here, but I'll just get started here with the with the first time he dresses in the special. Y'all know what happened to me getting smacked by Suge Smith. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Yes, it happened. I got smacked like a year ago last week. I got smacked in the Oscars by this and people like did it hurt. It still hurts. I got summertime ringing in my ear. <laughs> Drums, please. But I'm not a victim, baby. You will never see me on Oprah or Gail crying. You will never see it. Never gonna happen. I couldn't believe it. And I love men in black. No. It's never gonna happen. No. Took that hit like Pacquiao. So do you want to play the clip about why he, because here's where he got into trouble with, uh, and a lot of people are bent out of shape about Chris Rock's performance Saturday night. A lot of people from the left, the liberal um, community is taking him to task. And this is what I don't understand, Spike. I, I, that's the, that's kind of the headline. And I know, uh, CNN today, they were talking about how, you know, Chris Rock had his comedy special, but did it miss the mark? Uh, there's a whole thing on NPR about how, you know, Chris Rock is really this privileged, rich guy, um, and how he's out of touch. 
I'm not sure why the left or why liberals are so outraged at what he said. Well, let's let's play. And I'm only speculating okay. as a snowflake foot soldier of freedom, a liberal left libtard like I, everybody knows I am. I got the card in my wallet. Um, I'm not mad at him, but I think this cut might be why folks are so outraged. Will Smith practices selective outrage. Practices selective outrage. Because everybody knows what the happened. Everybody that really knows, knows I had nothing to do with that. I didn't have any entanglements. don't know what everybody knows. Wilson, his wife was her son's friend, okay? Now, I normally would not talk about this, but for some reason, these put that on the internet. I have no idea why two talented people would do something that low down. What the that We all been cheated on. Everybody in here been cheated on. None of us have ever been interviewed by the person that cheated on us on television. None of us. Yeah. Uh, You know, I got to tell you, Chris Rock is a guy who tells what he feels and brings the truth. I I mean, nothing he's saying is, you know, um, funny (laughs) or or, no, nothing he's saying is is a lie or or inappropriate. That's what I'm wondering about. It's why why did they get upset about it? Because he everything he's saying happened. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith admitted to this affair that she had with this very young rapper. Uh, Will Smith obviously forgave her. They had been separated. They got back together. Um, I mean, I I don't know what he said. I mean, he had other jokes in the routine, evidently, um, you know, about Meghan Markle and about, you know, a few other things. But the focus seems to be just on what he had to say about about, about Will, Will Smith. Smith. Yeah. So, I mean, um, on NPR, you know, he, he this guy, I'm trying to think of his name. But anyway, um, he says parts of the special seemed calibrated to tweak stereotypically liberal sensibilities with rocks with rock insisting anyone that says words hurt has never been punched in the face. And jokes about how a woke trap works. If somebody wants your job, they just wait for you to say some dumb blank. Okay, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Seriously. he's right. Words, you know, okay, punches hurt. Punches hurt worse than words. Well, sometimes words yeah. hurt too, man. And know? that's true. That if you if you want to lose your job, say something really stupid and you probably will. I don't know why this has upset people so much. I mean, he stayed very quiet. I think it was very strategic on his part what he did. He decided he wasn't going to talk about it. He never granted an interview. He waited until it would benefit him to, um, you know, use this experience yeah. in his act. Um, and they did it in a unique way with the live stream thing. But I, I don't think anything he said about Will Smith or Jada Pinkett Smith was any more offensive than anything he's ever said. That's what he does. There, and, and you're right. There was much of the content from his performance. As I'm reading through this NPR story as well, uh, that could be offensive to a lot of people. But it's a comedian. The fact that a liberal side of this country is offended by what a comedian says just goes to show you 
how fragile we all are sometimes that we don't, you know, we, how dare you offend me? Well, women, if you offend me, it's not something you did. It's my, I'm offended. I'm the guy who's got the issue here. You know, I saw Ricky Gervais one time give a quote. He said, you know, someone said, your jokes are offensive. He said, no, they're not. They offended you. That doesn't mean my jokes are offensive. That means you got offended. And you've got every right to be offended. If you tell me your leg hurts, I believe you. I don't hold it against you. If you tell me that you're offended, I believe you. I don't hold it against you. I don't take ownership of that. You're the one that decided to get offended by what I said. He said, you know, if, if facts are offensive, don't change the facts. Change the feelings. And I think that applies to a, a large portion of this country where we just look for times to be outraged. We look for times to be offended. And it's somebody else's fault that we can't take a joke. And that's a dangerous place to be. I mean, comedy is comedy. You know, for you you folks that on the left that got offended by Chris Rock, thank God you weren't alive in the days of Richard Pryor or George Carlin or Lenny Bruce, God forbid. Comedy is pushing the boundaries. Comedy is taking the grain of truth and spinning it in a way that you hadn't thought of before and making you realize, oh, yeah. He's got a point, and that's pretty damn funny. But to, to, if, if, if your comedy offends somebody, it's not your comedy. Go find something smoother, something, something a little less, uh, a little less salty for you. There are lots of great, you know, easy breezy vanilla pudding comedians out there. Go enjoy some of them. Take your wife. Go have a ball. Two drink minimum. I, I just, I, I think my curiosity is is more around um, what it is that he said that they that they felt insulted their their sensibilities because is our people do people find will smith so heroic or so uh special that he can't take the heat that are they defending him or defending jada pinkett smith or defending uh their marriage or i mean what he said about them was insulting but it's all true it is it's all true yeah there are some things in this in this special that are quoted in the NPR story that I won't read the joke here. It's just it's it's you know it's a live adult content Netflix special. Even reading these jokes would be inappropriate. Maybe that's what's got liberal America offended. You know, and again, whether it's about what he did upset about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. With, whether it's a question, the jokes he said about abortion, which which I won't read here, but it's a joke. It's his. It's him poking irony at the truth of a situation. He, for example, he's talking about Beyonce. Beyonce is so fine she could work at Burger King, and Jay Z would still marry her. Now, if Jay Z worked at Burger King, and that's I think that's funny. Yeah. I think it's got a lot of truth to it. Speaks to a little bit of uh, misogyny, a little bit of the double standard of life, you know. Yeah, but I mean, he's a comedian. I mean, exactly. I, I, exactly. And, and, and Will Smith has been, uh, you know, pushing uh, these boundaries forever. I mean, that's how he made his mark. Is he would say things, and this is a very cliche thing to say, but he would say things that that other people were afraid to say, and so I think that's what made him. Um, Chris Rock, you, know, you mean? Yeah, 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 I say yeah. Will Smith. Yeah, that's okay. That's <laughs> okay. No, I know. I, I, when you get slapped in the head, it's hard to keep your mind clear. I, I totally understand. <laughs> no, he always has, and he, he's always been that guy. But he's, you know, it's again, it's comedy. If it offends you, I mean, and, okay. So the left's offended. Liberal, some some liberal. Me, I'm a left. I'm not offended by it because I understand the comedy is not, not every comedy is for everybody. 
You know, it's not like Chris Rock should tailor his act to not offend anybody. He wouldn't have much of a gig if he tailored his act not to offend anybody. Well, it, and also he waited this long to talk about it. He waited a year. Well, he waited on the eve of the Oscars, so Oscars was out there in everybody's vernacular again. Right, and yeah. he did that, and so what did you expect him to do? He certainly wasn't going to... Uh, Ignore take, it. yeah. Yeah, or, or not take a hard line. I mean, yeah. this is... And let me tell you something. Chris Rock is not upset at all Hell that anybody's no. upset with him. No. He, this is the fact that we're talking about him. We're I getting mean, played. And that he was on, you know, pretty much every news website today. This is exactly what he wants because he will still have fans. He will still have people that believe in him. And it really doesn't matter one way or the other to him if, if people are upset with him. Well, um, I, don't, I, I don't know whether to give credit to Chris Rock for having such brilliant business acumen or his team of public relations and marketing who made sure he got this special on Netflix, live streamed, where they couldn't cover anything he said, had carte blanche to say whatever he wanted to. He spent a year getting the material together. He named the material after this particular bit, Selective mm-hmm. Outrage. I mean, this was this was loaded into the shoot like a bull at the rodeo. He knew what he was going to do, when he was going to do it, a week before the Oscars. I mean, good on you, Chris Rock. You know, you, you kind of got uh, embarrassed on national, international television by Will Smith. You didn't step up. And when it was your time to step up, you stepped up and took one deep. Yeah, he. this guy on NPR says, uh, but some of it felt like this the kind of comedy you might expect from a guy who has been rich and famous for so long, his view of the world is clouded by the bubble of privilege he lives in. Uh, something to that, too. There's, there's some truth in that. Chris Rock, I, I, you know, I don't know where he came up from, but I know he came up early. He had success very, very early. He was on Saturday Night Live, what, 18? Yeah. And off to the movies and off to the riches after that? Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's not like he has a real everyman American you know, pulse. He's got his hands on the pulse of everyday America. He doesn't. But what, what, what does that matter? Why should he? What, do we need Chris Rock to understand the streets? I don't need that from him. Maybe the guy from NPR just needs something to be angry about. Well, he says in the end, and and for this comedy fan who still remembers when Rock's groundbreaking stand-up specials for HBO redefined his career and the world of comedy in the same moment, Saturday Night's special was sad proof of the distance between a brash young comic trying to make his mark and a seasoned pro who knows how to work the room even when he might not have much to say. Hmm. I, I kind of have a hard time arguing with that assessment, too. Both of you guys got your chops in. Good job. Right? I think he had a lot to say. I think he had plenty to say. I I, I don't think that's the problem. Uh, I think I I still am baffled but what by what what they're what people are upset about because I think you know, he where you're gonna see now the Will Smith curated reaction of course that will come out now and jada pinkett smith will have something and there'll be some tearful something about how victimized they were and how horrible it was what an uh, an interesting idea sherry do you think do you think that chris rock's orchestrated comeback to the slap was also coordinated and orchestrated with will smith and jada pinkett smith do you think their careful calculated orchestrated response will there'll be some there was some collaboration between the two parties to maximize polit- or, uh, pop- publicity gain for both sides? I don't think Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith would have agreed uh, to any of the things that Chris Rock said I don't know. about it, them. It makes, I don't them, think it makes them the victim. 
Uh, well, I mean, so there's puts the that. On it, puts the narrative on its head, right? Will Smith's not the bad guy anymore. She's not even the bad guy anymore. Now Chris Rock's the bad guy. Good point. I hadn't thought of that, but that is that is one way to look at it for sure. They're probably are, uh, sitting at a table over a $1,900 dinner laughing their heads off at us as every TV channel in America and every radio station covers this story. Well... I guess they're one step ahead of us. So, <laughs> like everybody else in everybody, the world. Like right? everybody else too, Sherry. <laughs> right. uh. This portion of the John Curley and Sherry Elker Show brought to you by Bucky's Complete Auto Repair. 16 locations, over 50 years in the business. There's a Bucky's near you. Check out their uh, specials right now at Bucky's.com. Well, Sherry, uh, I've got a kid in college, and I love this story. I wish, I wish this story, I'm going to print this story and take it home and pin it to my kid's dresser. Oh boy. Uh, you'll be in trouble, dad. What? I, uh, well, I, I'm, I mean, I, I, okay. So this is the premise of the story. It's in the wall street journal. It's an opinion piece, um, by somebody named Brooke Allen. And this is about comparing what college kids are exposed to and what the professors that teach them are exposed to versus the experience of teaching in prison. And she writes that, you know, being in a prison classroom, you have people that don't have cell phones. You have people that don't have chat GPT, so they can't cheat. You have people that look forward to these classes to break up the monotony of their their existence. And they are willing, according to her, to explore new ideas. While most of the people are liberal in prison, they want to hear about what other people think. They have a natural curiosity. And she thinks that today's kids in college, you know, professors are being told, change the subjects regularly because the attention span isn't there. You know, you need to uh, adjust for the fact that there's this casual cheating going on with chat GPT. Um, and she just thinks that it's a really uh, bad model and we're going in the wrong direction. And she wishes that we could use the prison model for, uh, for learning. Uh, well, she's not wrong from, from a guy who's about to embark on his second kid going through college. She's actually finishing up uh, the, the, her first year. It's the second semester of my younger child's college. Uh, experience and uh, I understand the, the the almost envious way you look at inmates who get a chance to take on higher learning. Here's folks who who see it as a pathway to a better life. Whereas I think kids, when they get out of high school and they go to college, it's almost like a necessary evil. It's like the next unpleasant step before they get to become an adult and get the independence that everybody just craves at that point in their life. That's it's common nature to do that, you know. But you know. I, kids in college I mean, and my kids my kids great student don't get me wrong she was a dean's list student in high school she's doing fantastic in college but there's i don't know that there's the appreciation of this opportunity that you get from inmates you know who've, who've seen what the world can be like without you know putting some work in that you're not going to get anywhere unless you make some sacrifices and and see the opportunity of an education as just that an opportunity and dedicate yourself to study and to, to achieving learning as much as you can. Whereas college, and and I, I'm an old fart. I get it, man. I'm, it's get off my lawn time at Spike O'Neill's home. You know, kids are supposed to go to college and, and enjoy themselves and become who they are as individuals. 
It's where you're supposed to be exploring life in all its forms, inside and outside the classroom. But that really does get in the way of you maximizing the opportunity of learning stuff that will help you have a better future. I think it's so apples and oranges what she's talking about. You cannot compare a person who has committed a crime and it has been in the prison system, say, for 30 years or 20 years or whatever it is, which is the majority of the 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 inmates that take advantage of these classes they aren't necessarily the guys who are are just in there for the first time it's usually a fairly seasoned prisoner that has calmed down accepted his fate of being there for a while and wants to make the most of it you can't compare that to a kid who has been at mom and dad's house for 12 years in high school and now is tasting their their first uh, freedom and I mean, it, it's totally different. It's no, completely you're, different. You're right. I was trying to get on the right side of the story, but it's just ladies out of her mind. You're, t- I mean, you're totally right. I tried to fake so, it. Nobody's no. you know, a German Shepherd could tell I'm lying to you people. Well, I, 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 I think theoretically she makes very good points. Why can't it be this way? And why, you know, she she marvels at the idea that these uh, prisoners who have nothing and have, you know, they, their futures are sometimes going to be, be behind those walls right, forever. Even, even with a degree, they're not going anywhere. Right. But they still have that natural curiosity. They don't have anything else. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It's a very big fact. They don't have, like college kids, they can't go to a, a dance or then decide they want to take a semester off and go to Europe or whatever it is. This is what they have in prison. It's a great opportunity for them to expand their minds and if they're going to get out someday to be able to utilize that that degree, but it's not the same as a teenager going off to college, sowing their wild oats. Um I don't remember when when I was in college um any any inspirational moment. Like I look at these kids who are so dedicated to whatever it is, did you have any of that? I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any moments where I felt this need to protest or to stand for something or mm-hmm. that I was so you know, interested in what a professor had to say because my mind was being opened up. None of that. Nothing. Now, you know, I got, now, it was the 80s, so, I mean, that's... Uh, that's when I went, too. And yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't wait to get out of class. I couldn't right. wait to, you know, I couldn't wait till for the semester to be over. And, it, and I whizzed away a lot of opportunity. It's funny. I went back to school during the pandemic when I lost my career in radio and was trying to get a, you know, a job in marketing. I had to go and fatten out my skill sets and I was taking classes um, all online, of course, because it was the pandemic. But I hunkered down. I got a 3.98 GPA and graduated in two years. Wow. Not, you know, because I appreciated the gift of, of expanding my skill set of putting more clubs in my golf bag you know as i like to refer to it but when i, I was when i was in college i didn't care no and i think the word we're looking for here is maturity yeah. a, a lot of these men in prison are mature because of their age and and maybe their decisions or their judgments certainly weren't mature when they made them but as they've gotten older they've calmed down they've you know and, and i say this with a bit of experience having having worked in with programs in prison and so they have the maturity usually and and so did you where like me when i was in college 
I, I just I just wanted to get through it. Exactly. I just wanted I mean I had fun, don't get me wrong, but did I really learn anything? Not really. I mean I did a few things here and there and there were a few things that were interesting, but I just wanted to get on with my life. I wanted to get my degree, get out there, start making money. And, uh, and I thought I knew more than half the professors. And I, you probably I really did. did. No, nah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm a pretty arrogant little turd. Uh, you know, you're right. Comparing kids in college these days to inmates taking courses, an opportunity to enrich their life, whether it's behind bars, incarceration for the rest of their life, or on the chance of getting out and, and having a life that matters and being able to come a, become a contributing member to society. It's kind of impossible to compare these two. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I, I understand that it would be great if kids were that thoughtful and patient. Or, or and locked d- down and couldn't have access to their phones or chat GPS or, or texting technology that helped them cheat. And, you know, but the, we don't live in that world. No, we I don't. I mean, if we, we can, we can <laughs> pine for that, you know, that time, but it just makes us look old. So it, it's, you know, these, these are the times that we're dealing with. And just like, our parents couldn't believe that we had an electric typewriter to use in college yeah, or whatever it was right. versus the manual one that they used in college. I mean, you know, this is technology. This is the way that it goes. And um, I, I just think, you know, that 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 uh, the idea somehow of, you know, children or, or teenagers being able to go to school and change their habits the minute they have graduated from high school is very unrealistic. Uh, They're still really, really young. And um, that doesn't mean they can't work hard. That doesn't mean they can't apply themselves. But expecting them to give up the tools with which they have you know, grown up, you know, and also like their cell phones or their, you know, their computer stuff or their, um, AI, you know, yeah, tools. Yeah. They're, AI You're not gonna get, they're not going to give it up. No. I mean, that's just not what it is. And it's time. Colleges have to adapt to that, not the other way around. That's a great point. That's a great point. Maybe kids don't need a gap year. Maybe they need a year of joint, a, a year of lockdown. <laughs> then when they get to college, they'll appreciate the opportunity. Right. They'll be so happy <laughs> to be in a college with wide open spaces. Yeah. Amen. As my kids have been as well. I Don't deny anybody else the same thing you took advantage of, Spike. Don't do that. Welcome back to the John Curley, Sherry Elliker Show. John Curley's out sick. We're hoping it's not COVID. John's recovering, resting comfortably. Was going to take a COVID test on the air today. Decided that a nap was more appropriate, so we wish him the very best. And he'll be back to us as quick as we can get him back on his feet. Sherry, this next yep. story, I got to tell you, it breaks my heart. It breaks your heart? It breaks my heart. Why? Because the fire is out. The magic is gone. The honeymoon's over. Not between you and I. I'm still that you're my work wife. <laughs> don't tell John. I don't want to make you that jealous. Hard enough to I get better over COVID. I won't tell Jack Yeah, or, or Melissa. Oh. <laughs> so, um, here's a story from from spring training. From, from Scottsdale, Arizona, where the sun never sets. I mean, if you've ever been to spring training, whether it's in Florida in the uh, the Grapefruit League or Arizona in the Cactus League, spring training baseball is a trip that everybody should experience at least once. Even if you're not a baseball fan, the informality of spring training games, guys walk around the outfield grass hills with, you know, 10-gallon buckets full of ice and bottled beer. It is the way to watch baseball. It is amazing. And don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with our park here in Seattle. We've got a great park at T-Mobile. We've got a great team in the Mariners. But this story is about a, a Cactus League game 
and a veteran broadcaster, someone who I've known of for decades, John Miller. He's now the voice of the uh, San Francisco Giants, and he obliterated the Arizona Diamondbacks organization because during a broadcast down in Scottsdale, uh, excuse me, is he's, he's part of the... I'm not sure if is he is he part of the Arizona Diamondback organization or is he part of the Giants organization? He's part of the Giants organization. Correct, right? yeah. yeah, it's okay, that's what I thought. He was visiting a game uh in Scottsdale where the Diamondbacks D-backs play home games. And it was one of those split squad games. Sure, have you ever have you ever been to a spring training game? No. Okay, well, <laughs> no. I, I don't know what you're But sports... I appreciate you 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 actually asking me that question. Hey, you know, no. So no. What happens often is they have split squad games cuz the idea is to get as much work as possible in the limited time you have in spring training. These days professional athletes, they're so regulated in what they can and can't do. They've eliminated workouts, they've eliminated preseason in football and baseball. They don't want to injure these these high investment athletes. So the guys get off in split squad games. You'll take half your team, play over here, and half your team plays here. Instead of a guy sitting on the bench, everybody gets more chance to play. That's the whole point of spring training. So John Miller, this veteran broadcaster, who was at one time the voice of the hometown Baltimore Orioles for me when I was a teenager, went on to a national job. Now he's the voice of the Giants in San Francisco. He's broadcasting this game between, the, between some of the Diamondbacks and some of the Giants, and the Diamondback organization gave him no prep. They gave him no roster, no histories of these players. And he had nothing to go on when he's trying to call a game between a bunch of guys he's probably never heard of, guys who probably won't make the major league rosters, will be, will be toiling away in the minor leagues for years to come, and he's got to call a game. Now, from somebody like you, Sherry, and, and, and Jacob does a phenomenal job helping prepare the show. You and John and Jacob work together to make sure you've got enough content to make sure the, the show is riveting for the audience on a daily basis. And John Miller requi- is he's relying on his support staff to give him stuff that he can know what he's talking about, right? So when there's no prep and John Miller just goes sideways and lights into the Diamondback organization for not giving him the ability to do his job, right? You can see why he might be upset. Mm-hmm. To me, it's heartbreaking. Here's opportunity lost. Here's a guy with, here's a guy with 40 years of broadcast experience or more. He probably he's probably been calling baseball next to his radio when he was nine years old in his bed. This guy couldn't just wing it for a game. This guy couldn't take this opportunity to just I don't know make stuff up about these. Have some fun. You're at spring training. You're sitting in a booth being paid to watch baseball. You probably can have a beer up in the booth if you like. It is spring training. And you're complaining that you don't know what the backup right fielder's uh, averages against left-handed relievers? You don't, you, don't, you don't have the stats on where this guy played last year in Valdesta or, you know, Timberlake or wherever else he was in the minors? You know what? He's playing shortstop. He's pitching. He's playing the outfield. You know what balls and strikes look like? Call it a damn game. Have some fun. You're, you're being paid to watch baseball. Get over yourself. Breaks my heart. The fire's yeah. out. He um, he wanted to make a point and say that because he didn't get any of that information, he started saying things like, oh, the guy in the red over there is you know, on the He's map. out on a 5 to 10 B for assault and battery. Couldn't have seen him back on the field. Looks like the time in the county really hasn't affected his swing at all. I'd have fun. 
Right. He he didn't see it that way. He thought no. it was an affront to his talent to not be given the appropriate information, and therefore he wasn't having it. You he was I- just able to say, you know, just describe them as figures on the field. And no names, no nothing. That was what he wanted to do in protest. Some young up-and-comer in the Diamondback organization who works in the baseball office was supposed to get John Miller the day sheet for the game, but didn't do that. And now that kid's probably out of a job. He probably got some young kid with a dream of working in baseball fired because he couldn't wing it because the, the the magic was gone. Like a candle in the wind of a rainy ball game, John Miller. Way to go, John you, Miller. I didn't know you took this so badly or, or so seriously. <laughs> I, I, I had no idea. When I said it, I, well, this story broke my heart. Oh, this guy's okay. getting paid. This guy's getting paid to call a baseball game in the Cactus League. It's not like it's Game Five of the World Series, and you have no prep, John. It's Cactus League. Get over yourself. Have a heart. Somebody took care of you, John Miller, when you were a young broadcaster. Somebody looked out for your future in baseball, John. I wish you would have had the same care. But I digress. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I love what we do. If there was nothing in front of me, I'd still make up stuff for the next three hours because I love what we do. And I wouldn't want to get Jacob in trouble if he didn't prep a good show. <laughs> I'd, I'd have his back. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think what he did was unprofessional, but well, I also maybe. think he he deserved to have his information. I uh, mean, I, I don't think that's like such a, a bad thing to ask for. I mean, he uh, really didn't have much to work with, but he, you think through his years. But anyway, I know we... You know what I'm we, saying? Uh, I, I know he, he deserves the prep. He deserves somebody to do a good job.